Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, again here with Dustin Cooley, the personal finance dad. We're going to talk about then and now. I was there back in the late 80s, early 90s. So was Dustin, but Dustin was 10-ish and I was 40-ish or something. It was a long time ago. But we've talked in our other episode about how kids and adults really enjoyed the hobby in those days. We're going to talk about then and now and just compare and contrast some of the things that are different now, some things that are better now, but some things were better then. In the meantime, don't want to forget the sponsors, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, ComC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Tops, Pennini, and Upper Deck. You go back to the late 80s, early 90s, a bunch of them were around, a bunch of them weren't. A lot has changed. A lot has stayed the same. Some things are better. Some things are worse. So, Dustin, you're never at a loss for words. So how does that strike you that the hobby is better in many ways now and maybe not as good in some ways, but the then and now aspect of the hobby? Welcome to the show and start us off with a perspective of the differences. Yeah, there's definitely a few huge ones. If we're talking about just sealed wax and available product, it was really printed until the end of time. It is printed everything back then. It was widely available, gas stations, grocery stores. There were certain products. I talk about 89 score football on my channel because that was one where it was not easily available outside. I guess that you might call that a hobby product. So there were certain things you had to go to the card shop for, but for the most part, you could get cards. And really every kid in school, especially every boy, I should say, was a card collector. It was something that was very mainstream and widely accessible, inexpensive to get a pack. It was just different in that way. It was an innocent time for sure. I think when you think about just pre-internet, just a very innocent time. And I remember I had friends that their dads had cases of cards, 88 Donruss baseball that they were packing away. They were going to keep that forever. Now they're probably trying to sell it for the same price that it was in 1988. But that was a deal as you had people were hoarding a lot of 100 rookie cards of a player not really understanding that supply-demand piece, but in part because I think it was difficult probably to understand supply-demand. Whereas now, we're talking about then now, now you have the ability. You have third-party grading as a total game-changer in this space. You have population reports that offer some sort of supply. There's numbered cards, which they didn't really exist, I don't know, in the 80s, but in the 90s, there was some. So there's an added layer of scarcity that has been brewing probably since the mid-late 90s. Now Panini and the company's upper deck have really zeroed in on that scarcity piece to try to add value and kind of make it more investable, make really rare things. And then also... If you wanted to buy singles as a kid, you had to go to the card shop to get singles. There's no eBay to go. There's no Starstock or ComC or any of these places. Of course, there's always downsides to then. There's downsides to the hobby now. But one thing that sticks out is that there's opportunities in both eras, I feel like, just depending on how you view it. Okay, two questions. Number <laughs> one, do you think collectors then or now were more passionate? And number two, do you think the, the culture at large, let's just say in America, is more aware then of baseball cards and other sports cards or now with all the publicity. I wouldn't have said that a few years ago, but in 2021 compared to 1991, are baseball cards and sports cards more in the public consciousness and are collectors more passionate now or were they more passionate then, in your opinion? That's a really good question because if you think about passion, there's an element of, and I'm not saying everybody, I used to love collecting my favorite teams, but there was an element for me, even as a 10-year-old, I was looking at the Beckett price guide. I cared about what cards were worth. I used it to also just to trade with my buddies. Okay, this card's worth a dollar. Yours is worth a dollar. This is how we barter. So there was an element of just understanding kind of what stuff is worth. So what I'm trying to figure out with the passion piece is we do have the boom of 2020, 2021. It's here. And I'm just wondering, is it because people love the cards 
Or is it that now it's finally an investable, you know, now this stuff is worth a lot of money. And in 1991, that's what we were trying for. That's what we were hoping for. And I'm not saying it's all about the money. It's not, but I think there's an aspect to it. And that's where I think that's, it's difficult to judge the passion piece. I think that in the nineties, it was definitely so mainstream and every single kid did it. Nowadays, product is so much more expensive and more limited that I don't know if every kid has access the same way that they did in 1991 to get packs, to get their favorite players and stuff like that, unless they go eBay or something. Okay. But my point is, if we did, what would it be? Uh, Family Feud. The survey says, if you surveyed 140-year-old males in America and asked them about baseball cards, if you would have surveyed 110-year-olds in 91, a whole bunch of them, young men, would have said, oh, I love cards. Okay, Now, not so much on the kids, but the 40-year-old male in America now is more aware of baseball cards and basketball cards than Five years ago, the response would have been, what about sports cards? They would have said, are they still making them? And now it's, I got to get back home and see if my mom kept them. And I hear they're really going strong. So is that a different kind of passion? I think you said it too. I think it's the same passion. I'm PCing the answer here because it's the same people. It's the 10-year-old and the 40-year-old that were both passionate about cards, just at different eras. And then, of course, you've got the nostalgia piece of reliving your childhood to some degree. And I think that there's a lot of that where they loved cards as a kid. I did. I loved cards as a kid. And now I'm back. And now I, I love it in the same way. And it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's a really good question. That's a tough one. It's, that's a, it's a deep but, one. No, but the point of the objective is if it's an enduring passion, then we're you and I and, and others that love cards are going to be having a great time. If it's a blip, it wasn't a blip in the late 80s, early 90s. Like I said, everybody was doing it. They had a good experience. And then there was some saturation and some uh, frustration with the market. And yet in those days, you had all these different multiple licensees within each sport. Now you just have one, so you have a little bit more market discipline, although I'm sure I could get some pushback on that from uh, some of my listeners, but there's more discipline than there would be if there were multiple licensees cranking out competitive products at the same time. But the passion is back. And that's my point. And the awareness is back. And there's a lot more money coming into it. In order to move the needle now, you need more money. That's my fear, though, is it's pricing some of the 12-year-olds out. Yeah, yeah. I think Panini will adjust. I think they'll adjust. The Paninis in the upper decks of the world are trying to figure out, is this a two-year thing, a two-year boom, or is this a five-year? How should we adapt our business to make sure that everyone is happy? I've thought about in basketball, maybe for NBA hoops, let's just throw that out as, as an example print that until the printers break and let that be available everywhere. And just the investors know that is a highly printed product. And so they won't mess with it, but it's got all the rookies and it's got all the stuff that the the youth that the kids are looking for. I know there's got to be some sort of a way that they can do it, a blend of junk wax era with what we have today. Okay. So another then and now aspect is that you got the magazine. You were one of those kids. So it's not hard for a kid in the late 80s, early 90s to have $2.50 to get a magazine, read the same magazine that the adult reads, be up to speed, try to make it you know, kid-friendly. Nowadays, I'm just wondering, I don't think I have that many kids listening to my podcast. Do you have very many kids listening to your podcast? It's not R-rated, but I wonder if you have any preteens that you perceive would be listening. I really don't know. Yeah. And that's a good point. I don't really have the pulse of that market. I'm not on the ground to really know 
And I'd be curious, I'm sure they have stats at Panini and Upper Deck and the companies, who's buying, who's their target audience? I'm sure right now they're seeing it's 40-year-olds. But yeah, you're right. I'm really wondering, is the youth involved or is it guys like me, guys like us that are driving it? And is that sustainable? I do see that there are fathers getting sons involved and daughters involved. So I do see that happening. But is it happening organically or is it a forced thing or how? I, I don't really know. You know, that's a really good point. At yeah. this point, it's, it could be crass, but this kid and maybe even the mom is looking at it as this is our inheritance. This right. is our 401k. This is our IRA. This is our, our future. Unfortunately, that was also considered back in the late 80s and early 90s, but it fit in the garage. Now it fits in the palm of your hand. In the palm yeah. of your hand, you can have some really valuable stuff if you pull it or if you you know work your way up, or if you have a fat wallet. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. If you look back to, I remember when I was a kid, it was baseball cards were really popular and no one really cared about basketball cards. And now basketball cards are leading the way really. And so now you have all these people are like, I, could, I had all these access to these basketball cards back then. I just didn't mess with them. It's just funny how that is, those trends. I think that's fascinating. I think back in the old days, you could budget and you could say, I've got a hundred bucks a month or let's just, just make it a round number. I got a hundred bucks a month and there were not as many products then. And so you could do that or it was 10 bucks a month, whatever. You could buy packs, you could buy unopened or singles uh, collections and do that. Nowadays, if you had 10 bucks a month, I don't even know what you do. If you had a hundred bucks a month, you'd have limited options. It's one of the reasons why breaks have come back in. But you mentioned you don't really collect on a budget, but it would seem like a lot of people would have to be considering how much money they can or should spend in a month on cards. And it's tricky. And that's different from 30 years ago when you could just give the kids some money and he'd go to the store and hang out for half a day. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that everyone has to really be honest with themselves. How are they getting into the hobby? How are they going to hobby? And exactly what are you looking to get out of it? Because you can do what you said. You could get into breaks and spend all your money and very quickly on breaks, you know, I mean, or you can get into just buying singles and that's your thing. And maybe you're just collecting and you're not really worried about, like you said, maybe you're just buying cards of your favorite team and that's your deal. But I think that's critical is just going in, knowing that what am I doing here? Am I speculating on guys and maybe trying to, to flip those and buy larger things? Or am I using that to pay the rent or am I using that to buy PC stuff? That all, I, I agree with you. I think you really have to map all that stuff out going in. There's some products you can't even buy a pack because the pack is the box. And it's yeah. hundreds of dollars, but it's in one sense, not different, except for the really premium stuff that when I was a kid, I didn't buy a box of cards. I had a quarter, I had a dime, I buy a pack or two or three or five, maybe. I don't remember ever buying a box of cards. I couldn't afford it, but I think people, most people can't afford the whole, that's why breaking is you're going to, you say, here's how much money I have. I can't even buy the whole box. Certainly can't buy a case. And it's probably not recommended to buy packs as much. It's right. better to buy a, a sealed something. But yeah, I, I just think it, it's tricky. And so unless you've got a really good job and a lot of discretionary income, I don't know. You've got kids? Yes. You're the dad, right? Personal yep. finance did. Are there any challenges there in terms of, I know when my kids were small, there's the time pressure of this hobby and the financial pressure if it's not self-sustaining. It obviously was self-sustaining for me. It perhaps is for you, but the time is, you know, I, I only got 24 hours a day. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now I'm a YouTuber at night now and I work a full-time job and yeah, you're right. And there's kids. My youngest has autism. That's a special kind of responsibility that comes with that. It's, he's amazing, but it's just, it's work. So no, I totally get that. It's definitely just being really honest with yourself and being honest with your spouse and just really being disciplined with all of it. When I buy, 
I make sure that the stuff that I buy too, for the most part, I feel comfortable that it's liquid enough that I can move that. And that's something that, that my wife asked too, like, how hard, you know, is it difficult to sell? The answer is yes, it can be difficult to sell. So I try to make sure that everything that I'm buying is stuff that I feel comfortable I can move fairly quickly if needed. Yeah, the liquidity of something, it's its not emphasized enough that liquidity can be a challenge. Currently, it's not for certain cards, as long as they're priced reasonably. You can't just yeah. buy something and say, you might be able to sell it, but you may not be able to make a profit if you bought at the peak, because things are, right. are now bouncing around a little bit. Again, bouncing around is good. If something goes up, it could go down. But if we, we don't want to have a situation where something doesn't sell. That's bad. That's what happened in the early 90s is that people said, I just don't want this. And it was actually the demise of the card shops. When they quit buying from people walking in, it, it actually hurt the card shop more than it did. They, they should have just bought everything for, yeah. for cheap because it wasn't worth very much. But when they said, I'm not even going to buy it, that's one of the things that got people down on the hobby. Yeah. And I think that people that are looking to get in now, they're probably a little bit shy about it based on that experience. If they were around back then, they're like, I just don't know. I've already been down this road. Burn me once, whatever that phrase is. And yeah, I'm sure a lot of people are skeptical and, and just want to see where it goes before jumping in or carefully jumping in. That's not a bad thing. Uh, speaking of burn, yeah, the hobby's on fire. It's very, very <laughs> warm. It's a controlled fire. It's out of control sometimes, but it seems like the only time it's out of control is when it's, when it's going up. Dustin and I both hope that continues to be the case. And we'd love that to be the case forever. Unfortunately, it won't go up forever, <laughs> but it, it's uh, been a great ride. So thanks, Dustin. Keep up the great work with Personal Finance Dad. Look forward to watching more of your episodes and listening to them. I'm more of a listener. But uh, again, thanks for being on. Thanks, listeners. Be back again with another episode tomorrow. The man